0: Greetings friends and family, it is the weekend of Sunday, December 20th, and we continue in our series, God with us, through this Advent season, God with us, Emmanuel, and this Sunday we light the candle of joy, because God with us brings joy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9 reads like this, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You ever... Given or received a puppy for Christmas. You've seen it on the TV commercials for sure. It's just this super cute tiny cuddly fuzzball. It's usually wearing a a bright red bow around its neck. It usually either comes bounding around the corner or or peeks its head out of a box as soon as the, the kids or special someone lifts the, the loosely fitting lid. It's always incredibly adorable and it starts giving kisses or tumbling over its clumsy oversized paws you probably feel those warm fuzzies even right now as we talk about it all of you who have a covid pup out there so if you've ever actually been involved in one of these christmas morning puppy gifts you you know what it's like to try to put a puppy in a box that little bundle of love and joy we we won't mention the dog hair and accidents just does not want to be contained inside a box you certainly can't wrap him up the week before and stick his box under the Christmas tree. You have to, to work to keep him hidden, probably somewhere outside the house. You have, to, you have to wait until exactly one minute before the kids come down the stairs to drop that doggy in the box and, and probably bribe him or her with a treat or a toy that might occupy them for 7.5 seconds so that you can pop on the lid and rush him into the hands of his new best friend. Some people just skip the box altogether, hide out in the next room, put the, put the puppy on the floor, let him come bounding into the room to squeals of delight. You see, a dog is just plain uncontainable in a box. It comes spilling out to love and lick Everyone and everything that's around and it doesn't stop there the people who receive a puppy for Christmas Well, they can't help themselves. They they pass the pup around to everyone in the house They they don't stop there. They carry it or lead it around for the neighbors Maybe they drive to other relatives or friends But they want to show and share this adorable little furball with everyone that they can and then those people want to grab their kids and husbands girlfriends boyfriends, whatever and share the cuteness and the happiness of this little puppy it's amazing. You see joy is a lot like puppies. Fortunately, it's not hairy and it doesn't make a mess, but joy is boundless and uncontainable. You see joy overflows and when you've experienced joy, you want to share it with someone else or as people or as many people as you can. Joy bubbles over and it touches everyone it comes in contact with. Joy is what we are celebrating on this fourth Sunday. Of Advent. If you've been journeying with us these past three weeks towards Christmas, you know that we have been celebrating Advent. And a a quick recap Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation, longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas, it's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us, the believers, The opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, to be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope that was fulfilled in Jesus's coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. During Advent, we we wait for both. It's active, it's assured, it's hopeful waiting, and each week... We focus on a different attribute of God represented in the coming of Jesus, God Emmanuel. God is with us through hope, peace, love, and joy. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the embodiment of these traits who has entered into our world and who fills us with them all. So let's talk about Elizabeth, because joy overcomes shame. If you were here on the first Sunday of Advent, you remember we talked briefly about Zechariah. Luke 1 tells the story of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. They were the parents of John the Baptist who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah. Zechariah was a priest who received a visit from an angel that told him, Hey, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, Luke 1, 13 through 15. The catch was that Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. They were very old. Elizabeth, way beyond childbearing years. And the couple had never been able to have children of their own. So besides the shock from talking to an angel, Zechariah couldn't get over the fact that it was possible for his wife to have a baby. And as a result, his, his voice was taken away until the baby was born. But today, I want to let's look a little closer at Elizabeth because, in the story of God with us, Emmanuel, she deeply experienced joy in the midst of the miraculous events she found herself suddenly right smack dab in the middle of. And to understand Elizabeth's joy, however, we have to understand a little bit about her pain. You see, for the ancient Jewish people, children were a tremendous blessing. Psalm 127 tells us children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. That's Psalm 127, three through five. Children allowed a family to pass on its name, its heritage. They provided more hands to handle the daily task of life or to expand their ability to forge a livelihood through their trade or craft. But most importantly, children were viewed as a gift from God and as a sign of God's favor. And so to be childless then was a source of great frustration, sorrow, and even shame in some cases. And Elizabeth would have known this despair for years. She most likely would have married Zechariah when she was a young teenager. And the couple would have hoped right away to have children. And Elizabeth probably would have imagined what it would be like to have a home filled with kids. She would have dreamed of holding her own baby. She might have made a list of names in her mind, drawing from the many family names that would be passed traditionally down the family lines. At first, Elizabeth might have dismissed the lack of pregnancy. Maybe the timing just wasn't right to conceive or, or maybe like many of us in the room have, have probably experienced that there, there was a pregnancy joy and hope would have leaped in Elizabeth's heart and, and when she realized that a new embryo had sprung to to life in her womb and, and then maybe she even told people that she was pregnant but then something happened and there was a miscarriage and while physically hard and emotionally incredibly painful Elizabeth might have dismissed the first one or two as a fluke, but as many times as a pregnancy began, it it came to an end prematurely. Friends and family probably offered encouragement and shared her sorrow. They might have offered advice that, while well-intentioned, was just plain hurtful. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you need to confess, they might have said. "We We tried this. It helped us get pregnant. Maybe there's just something wrong with you. Who knows how long it took, but gradually... Year after year, Elizabeth's hope would have slowly died as she came to terms with the fact that something was wrong and that she could not have a child. At some point, the the social stigma would have stuck. Barren is what they would have called her. It became a permanent mark. And Elizabeth would have grieved over the loss of ever being a mother. She would have accepted the loss of the status that came in her culture from bearing children. She would never be considered as esteemed as other women, she accepted her fate as perhaps failure in the eyes of her society. She quit praying for a child. And still Elizabeth must have known some happiness as well and and would have been deeply involved in community life, especially since Zechariah was a priest. And though she carried her emotional burden beneath the surface, she and Zechariah remained faithful to God. Luke described him like this. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. That's Luke 1.6. So this is how they planned to live out the rest of their old age, serving God and the people around them. And then God came. On an ordinary day when, when Ze- with Zechariah at work in the temple, the angel Gabriel showed up out of the blue with, miraculous me- with that miraculous message. Zechariah couldn't even tell his wife what the angel had said. He would have had to, to either write it out, if Elizabeth could read, or use signs and gestures to give his wife the news. Elizabeth must have thought that she was getting the wrong message at first. It seemed too good to be true. Hope must have kicked in her heart like the thump of that baby in the womb. Could she even allow herself to go there? Could she open her heart to the possibility after hoping and waiting and praying for so, so long, only to be let down again and again and again? And from what we can tell from Luke's account, it seems that Elizabeth had an easier time of accepting the miraculous news than her husband. And, and soon she was pregnant, saying, The Lord has done this for me, and these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Luke one twenty five. What's curious is that Luke also told us that Elizabeth spent the first five months of her pregnancy in seclusion. There's no way for, for us to know exactly why But maybe she she knew no one would believe her news until she was definitely showing. Or maybe she had been here before and was afraid this pregnancy might be lost like earlier ones. Maybe she couldn't bear going through that loss again. Maybe this was her way of sharing her husband's silence as they lived daily through a miracle unfolding before their eyes and literally inside Elizabeth's body. What we do know is that in her 6th month of pregnancy, Elizabeth experienced a deep encounter with joy brought by the coming Messiah, whose human life had just sprung into Mary into being in Mary's womb. And as we talked about last week, young Mary left her home shortly after her own angelic visit and came to stay with her cousin Elizabeth for 3 months. As soon as she arrived, Elizabeth's baby Leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 1, 41. With a sudden end to her silence and seclusion, Elizabeth's joy overflowed, and she greeted Mary with a beautiful and, and an amazing blessing. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Luke 1, 42-45. The puppy was definitely out of the box now. Joy was flowing. And true to its nature, joy is contagious. Mary burst into her own song of praise and thanksgiving, and she gave words to the miracle happening through her. And finally, she was understood and and believed and affirmed. And without Mary even having to explain, Elizabeth knew and gave voice to exactly what was going on. Maybe God had revealed this to her earlier. Maybe God opened her eyes on the spot as her own miracle son, John, recognized the miracle son of God, Jesus, within Mary. But more than anyone else in the world was able to, These two women understood each other and shared a joy that could no longer be contained. No matter how difficult the circumstances they were coming out of and still facing ahead, already Emmanuel, God with us, was unleashing joy on earth. And already his joy began rippling outward like a big stone thrown in the middle of the lake. And when Elizabeth gave birth to John, three months later, the joy of her miracle spread through her village and family. Her neighbors and relatives heard what the Lord had shown her great, her great mercy, and they shared her joy, Luke one fifty seven. Perhaps there is no joy greater than that of a mother holding her newborn child. For Elizabeth, the joy must have been especially overwhelming. She was experiencing a miracle, and it was a miracle that healed a lifetime of hurt, pain, Disrespect, possible shame. And it was only the beginning of the miracles she would witness in her lifetime. Because Jesus is our source of joy. What would you and I give to know such joy? To see the scars and shame of our life washed away so dramatically. We may not see it happen through such an obvious miracle. But the joy Elizabeth experienced is available to us. This is the joy brought into our world by Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. And though we are living long past his time on earth, his life and his joy, well, they're available to us now. Peter wrote, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. First Peter 1, 8 through 9. An inexpressible and glorious joy. That's deep stuff. This is stuff that runs much, much deeper than happiness. Oh, we love to be happy. We love, to, we love to be happy. We'll, we even self-medicate to be happy. We love to feel good. But happiness comes and goes as the circumstances around us change by the hour and by the minute. Happiness can come from many things. Birthday parties, your favorite song on a perfect summer day, an encouraging message from a friend, winning the big game, a delicious meal. These are good and they're enjoyable things to be savored and enjoyed for sure. But all of them are fleeting. And pursuing happiness for the sake of happiness can be incredibly shallow. It is a very self-centered pursuit. It is the very pursuit of happiness that thwarts happiness, Viktor Frankl wrote, the famous Jewish survivor of World War II Nazi concentration camps, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. Joy includes happiness, but it runs much deeper. You see, joy permeates our souls and our lives. The stuff of joy looks like, well, it looks like the birth of children. It looks like a wedding. It looks like being declared free of cancer for good. Your loved one coming out of a coma with no brain damage. A friend who always remembers you and what's important to you. Being known. Being known in the Lord. Coming to the Lord for salvation. Family. That's joy. Joy is rooted in gratitude, meaning, and hope fulfilled, especially when it is based in relationship with Jesus. Joy comes from God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus is the source of our joy. Peter called it an inexpressible and glorious joy. And that is part of the inheritance that we are receiving in Christ with his life and the promise of eternal life beyond this world. We find that deep kind of joy that fills us no matter the pain that we still face on this earth. And Jesus explained to his disciples about his coming death and resurrection. So with you, he said, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy, John 16, 22. As we turn our eyes expectantly to Jesus in this Advent season, as we walk with him beyond toward the day when he will come again and fulfill his healing work, we can experience his joy in the process. And we can know with confidence that an even greater unending joy awaits us one day. One day we will receive it in full. Yet even now We find hope and joy in what Jesus has done and what we know he will faithfully do in the future. And like Nehemiah of the Old Testament, the Jewish leader who faced incredible odds at rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, we can experience the truth that the joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8, 10. Because, you see, joy defies our circumstances we compared happiness and joy a little bit ago, but if, if there's one defining characteristic of joy that, that I hope we take away from our time together, it's this. Joy defies our circumstances. Happiness comes and goes with positive events or experiences. Joy flows deep, even in the face of challenge, hardship, or suffering. Joy Drawn from Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel, sees the big picture beyond the immediate pain. James famously says "At best right at the beginning of the, in, uh, his book of the Bible, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's James chapter 1, 2 and 4 two through four. You see, joy understands that there is more than meets the eye, that God is always, always at work, even in the tough stuff of life, and that eventually God will make everything right and healed and whole, including you and I. And so because of that, we can experience joy in the here and now, no matter how bad the here and now looks and feels. Sure, there's a process involved, and that's part of the point. As we continue to Practice opening our hearts to God's spirit, immersing ourselves in his holy word and aligning our thinking and perspective to his ways. We experience his spirit working within us, bringing clarity, understanding and strength to trust and see and act in the joy that he provides. So what are the circumstances we are facing right now as we journey toward Christmas? What are the situations that are stealing our joy? Or the hurts where pain seems to overrule. And and hear me loudly and clearly. I I don't mean to make light of what what you and I are going through, whatever it may be. And, And I certainly don't mean to hurt anyone with some of the things that we've talked about today. Because I know that pain is real for us all. But can I encourage you to take a look At a different angle, can I encourage you to ask God to give you a different view, to show you his big picture? We may not experience a miracle as clear as Elizabeth's, but in Advent and in Christmas, there is a miracle for us all. The miracle of God come to earth to be with us, to heal us, to forgive us, to redeem and restore our pain, to turn it into good. This is a cause for joy, even in our darkest days. This is the message of the angel long ago announcing the arrival of of Christ to the terrified shepherds outside of Bethlehem. Hey, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Luke two, nine through ten. Jesus come to be God with us. Emmanuel has brought us joy no matter what we're facing. So to some degree. And there would be those that would argue differently theologically, but to some degree, joy then is a choice. Before we close today, I'd like to look at one more aspect of joy that we can apply as we continue our Advent observance. And that is the fact that joy can be a choice and joy can be an action. We talked about Mary a couple weeks ago or two weeks ago, and and we talked about her again today as she spent time with Elizabeth. Remember when Mary showed up at Elizabeth's house? Elizabeth was overcome with joy, which then spread to Mary. When it did, the beginning of Mary's expression went like this, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Luke 1, 46-48. These are incredibly important words, and the key word being rejoices. It's the active form of joy, the verb. And this is Mary choosing and embracing joy in the role she had been given by God. She didn't have to. Remember those cartoons in the old old movies where, where the army sergeant or the leader uh, asked for a volunteer, the mission's dangerous, Sometimes ridiculously so, and it will require a brave, true individual willing to put their life on the line. Will the, will the bold volunteer please step forward? And you know what happens at the same second in perfect coordination. The entire line steps backward, leaving the main character standing in front. And when the leader turns around, for, forget volunteering. They have been volunteered whether they, whether they want it or not. Well, Mary could look at her situation a little bit like that. She didn't ask to be the mother of God's son. If she had been asked, she might have stepped backward. But in Mary's words, we see her response. She rejoices. She chooses joy. She focuses on the big picture and embraces her difficult role. Remember, she left her husband, who legally had a right to kill her, to divorce her and have her stoned. That's how she left things, not knowing what it was going to be like when she got back. She chose joy. In a similar way, in our own situations and seasons, we can do the same. We can choose joy. We can rejoice. We can embrace the miracle of God with us, Emmanuel, and align our vision with the work that he is doing in and through us. And the Bible, the scriptures are filled with verses encouraging us to rejoice, probably because I need lots of reminders, Philippians 4.4 4 tells us rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Romans 12.12 12 offers rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. These are only the beginning. But the message and the takeaway is the same. We have reason for joy because God is with us, Emmanuel, and we can choose to embrace that. So, friends, let's choose to make this season of joy, make this a season of joy. Let's rejoice as we figuratively await the arrival of Christ and let's celebrate his birth with joy. God with us, Emmanuel. And so joy is with us, a joy that flows deep within our spirits and outward because our king, our savior is with us. Always loving, always working, even in the midst of any hardship that we will face. Amen and amen. And in closing today, I want to read Psalm 511. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Amen. Go in hope, peace, love, and joy.